All right, guys, listen up. We need something big, something huge. We need to figure out how to make the Bible more exciting to people. That's right. That's why we brought you guys into Brainstorm. You are essentially our panel of experts. Our go team, our green berets, our SEAL team six. And go. Moses hit me. I'm thinking large body of water. Ooh, I like this. This is already good. We get a bunch of people together, just tons and tons of people together, right? I feel like this sounds familiar. And then... Kaboom! I divide the water in half and I let everyone walk through. That is exciting. You're welcome. Who's hungry for lunch? Should we do Chinese? I'm thinking Chinese. Moses, it's been done before by you. Peter, talk to me. First off, what's our policy on cutting off people's ears? Huh? Gonna pretend I didn't hear that. Who's next? Balaam, talk to me. Well, um, I do know about this talking donkey. I mean... That's pretty cool, right? Talking donkey. I mean, no one's ever seen anything like that. I mean, like, ever. Come on! Haven't you seen Shrek? Hello, donkey! Yep, my little puffy! Guys, we need to bring out the big guns. This is the word of God we're talking about. We need to show people how exciting it is, Moses. You saw God, right? Eh, I saw the back of him. No idea, you're gonna love this, all right? So we get this bush, right? And then, you know, everybody's walking around going, nothing crazy going on here. It's just a bush, huh? And then, kaboom! A huge fireball comes out of nowhere, and the bush is on fire. Huh? Deja vu, Moses. Let's freshen that pot of idea coffee, shall we? Lot, please tell me you've got something. I got nothing. Well, how about your wife? What's she thinking? Tommy. I'm sorry. I did not mean to rub salt in your wound. Really? I'm sorry. I just want to put all this behind us and not look back. Let's just get back on point. Joseph, any thoughts? Dude, what if we give a free coat of colors to everyone who reads the Bible, huh? Good thoughts. Uh, could get a little expensive. Moses, is this an original idea? Does it involve using manna? Does it? Does it? Next, King David. Free rock slings for everyone. Edgy, but I don't know if arming people is such a good idea. Kind of sends a conflicting message. Okay. Is this a bad time to bring back the cutting off people's ear thing? Yes. yes. You can't deny that my idea has potential. Oh, you'd know a little something about denial, wouldn't you, Peter? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Okay. Say we draw some water from a rock, and then... Moses, we need to have a talk. Yeah, you just, you need to be quiet. Right? Take a note from Lot's wife.
Pilot, you have anything good? I'm out, Eddie. I'm done. Wash my hands of it. Real classy, Pilot. Good teamwork. Move out of the way, kid. I brought you some bread and fish, sirs. Oh, it's a little boy that gave his lunch to Jesus. Oh, yeah. We're good, kid. Thank you. Yeah, unless you got a good idea on how to make the Bible more exciting. <laughs> yeah, you got anything for us? No. Well, I was just thinking that I can't think of a more exciting book than the Bible. I mean, it's got action, adventure, and romance, and the greatest hero story in the history of literature. And on top of all that, it's the Word of God. God uses the Bible to actually communicate to us what's more exciting than that. <laughs> oh, and one more thing. God bless us, everyone. Yeah. I was going to say that. Hey, are you the dudes who validate parking, or do I have to talk to somebody else? I know it's a little long, but it really introduces our topic. My favorite, I know I say this a lot but it's for sure my favorite. Um, so if I'm a little excited, baptism and my favorite topic, crazy, right? So because I'm holier than you guys, I want to show you my Bible, all right? Um, this is a good Bible to borrow sometime because not only do you read God's Word, but you can work out at the same time and build your steps, right? Um, but I wanted it to be evident that that's what we're talking about um, because even back when we look, we get to the passage in uh, 2 Timothy, all the way back then, all the way till now, it's the same thing. This comes under attack. It's got to be more interesting. It's got to be more current. It's got to be more modern. We've got better ideas, right? And, and it comes under attack. And yet, for the believer in Christ, it's essential, right, to not only, live, to, to not only read it and learn it, but to live it. So let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you that your word is amazing. It's interesting. It's exciting. It's powerful. It's convicting. It's encouraging, it's hard, it's raw, it's beautiful, and Lord, I pray that our souls would be anchored in it. Lord, I pray knowing that we're all over the map in here from some who've maybe never had a chance to read it, I pray you didn't just stir their heart to want to read your word. And for those of us that have, that maybe are drifting from it to get back on track, for those that are, that just continue in it and maybe obey what we read in it. And Lord, give us this time in your word to talk about how important your word is. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. So we're just, oh, this happened before. All right, should have, should have tried this when I was praying. Um, so we're just calling this, in this passage in Second Timothy, the, uh, a, a personal challenge. Because this is a challenge that, um, that Paul gave to Timothy, right? But Timothy's gone. And, and so now the t challenge is for you. So I don't want you to just think of this sort of like on the sidelines. What God might be challenging you, okay? Um, as, we, as we come to this, it's uh, 2 uh, Timothy chapter 3 we're still in, and I believe we're starting at verse, verse 14. Let me just pull it up for us. Um, okay. So... Actually, we're, yeah, starting in verse 14. Uh, and I do uh, take a second, just uh, wish all of our dads a happy Father's Day. May God bless you. Do something today that you like. Don't mow the lawn or anything unless you love mowing the lawn. Then go for it, right? 
In fact, if you love mowing the lawn, come over to my house and you can mow my lawn. Happy Father's Day. But may God bless you. Um, it is a hard job and it's one that's pushed to the sidelines in our culture today. And God gives you such a responsibility. So enjoy. Celebrate the dads in our lives today for sure. Um, so I just, I know it's baptisms. So We've got some people visiting as well. We're, we're going through verse by verse this letter. It's the last letter that the Apostle Paul ever wrote. And he wrote it to this guy, Timothy, who he loved dearly. And he's in prison. And he's about, he's in chains. And he's, Paul, Paul is, and he's about to face death. And, and he is writing to Timothy, who's in a church at a church in Ephesus that they started, right, that Paul started. And, and there's a lot of problems in the church that can happen. A lot of it centers around false teaching and people being swayed by those outside of Scripture ideas. And so we've seen that, especially last uh, week. We saw that we are in the last days, and in the last days, many will run from the faith. And so we get to this place where he then just kind of turns, and it's, it's still the same thought, but it's like, Timothy, as for you, as for you, and this is where I want you to make a personal. I want you to fill in your name. Jamie, as for you, Jamie, as for you, fill in your name. What is God challenging you in this passage, in this thought? As for you, continue. That's an important word. We're going to get back there. Continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And so he's like, Timothy, you remember me, uh, your grandmother, your mother, uh, the, the, the character of, of those of us that have taught you this. You know it. You've been in it. So continue in it. And so if this is a personal challenge to us, maybe for you, you've never read the Bible. Maybe you're just like, I don't even think I believe it. Well, how do you know what you believe or don't believe until you read it, right? And so maybe your challenge is open it up. I don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Um, but for a lot of us, we have read it, or we've read parts of it, or uh, maybe many times. And so this command, this challenge to you is to continue in what you've learned. That word continue, I, I mentioned, was really important. The, the, we have the English translation. It's a Greek word, right? And that's kind of the picture of it right there. To remain, to be fixed no matter what. Have you ever looked out into a, like an ocean and uh, uh, maybe it's a stormy or a big wavy time and, 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 and there's rocks and it's just really cool to watch rocks. Sometimes they'll, they'll drop below the water because the waves and then the, the, the water will drop and there's the rock, right? And it just never moves. The uh, place in the Cape a number of years ago, my family has gone to the, the stretch of beach we sit on. There's a, some rocks that when the tide's out, you can go and, I don't know, find animals or fish or whatever, shells. And... And there's also rocks you have to be careful of when you go swimming because sometimes they drop below the water. But what I, sometimes I just like looking at them and watching them and just being mesmerized how, no matter how wavy or windy and just thinking like year after year after year after year we come back, those rocks haven't moved. They haven't moved, right? Think about the winters, the storms, the waves, all of it. Everything else moves, goes out to sea, those rocks stay. That's what he means, that picture, when he says to us, who know God's word, is to continue, right? It, it, it's, a, yes, a verb, but it means to continue to stay in place. Kind of ironic, right? Continue to not budge. The primary context is when, like the false teachers in Ephesus, when, when there's tickling ear kind of philosophies, and there's, there's modern sensibilities, and there's others who, who you thought were Christians, I don't believe anymore, and, and you're, like, you're like, it's like a wavy threat to us to drown us, and he says, Stay, continue, cling, remain. Secondary context can be if when you're in your life, a 
as Paul was writing this letter, as Timothy was in Ephesus, and man, it just seems like life. The Bible calls um, life often like the storms that sometimes it feels like you're going to drown. And maybe that's you today, maybe that'll be you tomorrow, or something in life. Just you, 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 the, the prayer of David, how long, oh Lord, is yours? Why won't you look at me, God? Why have you turned your face? I mean, what, like these are raw prayers in God's word, and that's your prayer. And you just like feel like you're drowning, right? And what he says is, 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 to, is to remain, to continue, to not move from where you are. That's the challenge. How do we do it? He continues the same sentence in verse 15. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Sacred writings. That means set apart. It means holy. Right? It's not, um, and I have a couple of Bibles up here, right? it's, 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 it's not just a, a textbook or a history book or a book on poetry. Right? It's sacred. It's set apart. It's God's. It's, it's holy. And it's specifically uh, holy and sacred because it makes us wise to salvation in Christ Jesus. It doesn't save us, but it points us to the one who does and how he did. And, and so when you, when you see sacred writings, what is he talking about? Because obviously he's writing part of the sacred writings right now. That's kind of cool. And, and in the New Testament, like, so if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, we have in here um, a, a big portion of it in the beginning. It's called the Old Testament. That's the scriptures that were already there and fixed by the time Jesus lived. Jesus knew uh, the, the scriptures. Paul did as well. Those were called sacred writings. We call it the Old Testament. The New Testament is the life of Jesus, the teachings and writings uh, that came during or after Jesus, uh, right on to the book of Revelation about when Jesus comes back. And so when we see sacred writings, it's interesting how um, uh, under attack, I don't know if it's more than ever before, but it's big time under attack, not just out there, I expect that, but within churches, I hear pastors say, you don't need the Old Testament. Well, apparently Paul thought you did because he's talking about the sacred writings. Jesus certainly talked a lot about the sacred writings, and so do we. We need to. In fact, um, a lot of you have said one of your favorite recent sermon series that I've gone through, we've gone through, is the gospel in Leviticus. Leviticus? What does a Christian need that for? It's like I read a verse about don't boil a goat in a mother's milk. Like, what is that about, right? We didn't cover that, by the way. Uh, we, We just looked at how that book points to Jesus. The sacred writings of the Old Testament, it teaches us God's creation, all is good. Everything he made was good. That you are made in the image of God. You are made good. But how in the sacred writings we read, how how sin jacked it all up. How sin screwed it all up. Warped everything, including that creation. Broke everything up. We see in the sacred writings of the Old Testament how God takes sin very seriously and he's holy and he hates sin and he judges sin. And yet we see in the sacred writings how patient God is, how gracious, how merciful, how God searches after his people to save them. We read in the sacred writings of the Old Testament of the atonement, right? The animal sacrifice where they take the sinner's place and shed blood, right? All pointing 
to the great sacrifice of Jesus on the cross once and for all where he will shed blood and die for our sin. We see in the sacred writings the priestly system where priests would stand between sinner and God and then we see, oh, it points to Jesus. He's the great high priest, the only one we'll ever need. He tore that curtain in two. That veil is gone and we, through Christ, can be with God. That's all in the sacred writings and the life of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus. We see that he died. We see that he rose. We see that he will come again. If you've never read the sacred writings, maybe you don't know this. This truth that you need a Savior, and he's Jesus. And so Paul's saying to Timothy, man, that's why we need to remain in this. From your childhood, you've known this, right? That this makes us wise for salvation in Christ Jesus. How, how popular it is today to, to throw it out and to make up some other facts. We need to remain, continue, right? It's, it's, it's like um, one of my favorite, and I didn't say this in any other service, so it just popped in my, my mind. One of my favorite clips of a Patriots coach, Bill Belichick, during one of the Super Bowl runs. Um, we long for those days. But uh, anyway, um, and, and, and one of the, the clips at one of the Super Bowls, uh, he was talking to the defense on the sidelines, and he was saying to them, fellas, there's no new plays. There's no new plays. And then he said, just do your job. Just do what you already know. And that's what I, I, I want you to, to resonate with you. There's no new plays. There's God's word, and it's enough. We remain in it. Right? We remain in it. And so uh, he, he says this, and if you grew up at all in church, this, this passage, uh, it, maybe you memorized it, but it's, it's the, the, probably the keynote passage about Scripture. He says all Scripture, all Scripture is breathed out by God. He kind of coined a phrase, God breathed it into people who wrote it. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete Equipped for every good work. So it's, it's the, the, the word of God is God's personal revelation. He breathed it out to people, right? And so the first step for you is like, why bother reading this? Well, that's the first step. It's actually a special revelation from God himself. And I know sometimes that might be for some of you hard to believe. Like, it was for me, my first, like, when I was a new believer, even before I was a believer, it's like, like, I'm, I'm the kind of person, like, I'm either all in or all out. I'm not just going to be like, oh, I kind of believe. No, 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 no. Is it true? If it isn't, what's the point? If it is, I better learn it, and I better live it. That's kind of how I looked at it. And as I investigated it and read about it and all of that, I was absolutely amazed. Scripture, all those 66 books, 40 different authors, three different languages, written on three different continents over 1,500 years, and no discernible error has ever been found. Oh, it's been tried. Thousandfold more than any other writing in human history, they've tried to attack it and destroy it. Oh, they think. They have theories. And they come up with little things like, isn't that contradict? They just don't. They lack information and understanding. It's stood the test of time. Why? Because it's not just a book. It's God's living, active word. And that's why it's so important. He's saying it to Timothy, and he's saying it's a personal challenge to us because it's God's word, but that's not all. It's profitable. It actually profits you when you read it, right? It, it, it does something. It, it teaches you, right? It's good. You learn what God wants from you. 
Then there's things we don't like. Reproof, that's like being rebuked. We're living in a day where don't you dare tell me I'm wrong. I'm right, we're all right. Come on. Nobody believes that, we're all right. Well, that's silly. There's right, there's wrong. So you need to be corrected, right? And then that's not fun, but it's critical. Like think about that, that rock that, that I, I, I showed you, right? And how it's fixed and, and to remain. But I'll picture, I've used this illustration before, but I think it, it, it beautifully illustrates this point of being corrected. Um, you're, you're on the beach, right? And you're facing the, the water. You got your chair, your blanket, your sunscreen, your book, whatever, right? You're like, I'm going to go play in the waves. And so you get into the water, and you're about to play in the waves. And, of course, you're facing that way because what kind of madness would it be to get attacked by sharks? Like, you got to be able to see, right? Always make sure there's someone further out than me. That's my philosophy, right? And I know, it's admission time. And, and do they look like a seal? Even better. No, I don't say that. I don't say that. You guys at the 11, you get all this extra stuff. It's good. So you're looking, right? And you're playing in the waves, and it's not even that many. And you're just in there for like 15 minutes. You're like, all right, it's time. I'm going to go right back to my chair and my towel. And you're like, my chair and my towel are all the way over there. It's like 150 yards down that way. How did that happen? Has that ever happened to you? Right, because the current, right? You don't even know what's happening. You're just drifting, and you're just drifting, and you're just drifting. And so what, what God's word does is it corrects before you're drift at sea, and you have no idea where you are. Like, I loved our testimonies, right? When, when, when you, you, you saw Roland say that, uh, that, that she had left God's word, when, when, when you saw, heard Samantha say, man, it took some friends to say, God's word is true, and I left that. That's a drift. We all, if we're not careful, we need to be corrected. Like, Jamie, you're getting lazy again. Your, your, your pride, right? Your, your bitterness, your unforgiveness, right? It hurts a little bit, but it gets me back, and it helps me to remain like the rock and not be adrift at sea like some piece of seaweed and no idea where I'm going because it's so easy to drift. It corrects. It, it rebukes us, right? It, it, it is, makes us complete, equipped for every good work. It trains us. Let me bring us back to the passage. It trains us in righteousness. You ever trained for anything? Maybe your mind. Maybe your body. <laughs> Those many years ago. Trained for a race or trained for a game. Or maybe you just trained to try to stay in shape. Maybe your diet. Maybe your exercise, right? Like, I, I try to run. I call it running. I'm optimistic. It's more like jogging. It's probably sliding backwards into more like walking fast and pumping my arms, you know. Um, and, and yet I've been so busy trying to wrap things up before my sabbatical that it's like I've been averaging like one run a week. You can imagine how that goes. Everyone's the same. <sighs> right? It's better than nothing. But I'm not really getting anywhere because that's not training. Training takes probably more like at least four a week, maybe more, right? And the more you go, the more you, you start to the, grow the lung capacity, whether it's your mind or your body. It takes what? It takes discipline. It takes focus. It takes saying this is a priority over that. There's always things you can do instead of. And so the point of this is you train in God's word. That means it's a commitment. It's not just when I feel like it or when it just makes kind of like, oh, or I'm having a bad time, then you'll be part of the statistic that reads God's word twice a year. No, it needs to be training. Why? Because remember, God's word is always tethered with not just reading it and learning it, but living it, righteousness, living it. 
right? Because what's the point? Like I've heard pastors tell me that Sunday morning they're preaching a sermon and, and, and someone, the same person, reading the Bible on their lap going, amen, on Wednesday night at a business meeting is screaming at somebody red-faced. And he's like, what's the problem here? The problem is they might listen to it and learn it. Are they living it? Righteousness. And so that might be your challenge as well. Some area that you've read it and you know it, but you're like, I ain't doing it. I've had those things. You have those things. Let God challenge us because we want to be equipped for every good work. You have works to do. The only way, because some people are like, oh, I don't want you can study the Bible, Jamie. I'm, I'm going to serve and I'm going to worship God. I'm going to experience God. And you can tell by my gestures what I feel about that. Okay? It's not, I'm not saying you're a Bible scholar. I'm not saying you're even a great reader. Maybe you've got to listen to it in the car. Fine. But I'm just saying you're not going to serve the true God if you don't know his word. You're not going to experience the true experience of God if you do not read and learn and obey his word. I don't know what you're experiencing, but it's not him. Because that's what he gave us to experience it. Right? And so, so we train in righteousness, equipped for every good work. And then uh, it's really, I know it's a different chapter, but it's really the same thought, except now we take what we learn and we push it out. He says, I charge you. So here it is, personal challenge. I charge you, fill in your name, because this is heavy, in the presence of God. Now, that's not just a suggestion, right? In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing, and his kingdom. This Jesus who will come and will judge everyone, including our works, and whether they were wasted or not, he's coming, it's happening. This is where the charge, the, the context of the charge. And so let me press the pause button. You knew I wanted to bring out this illustration at some point here in the last couple of weeks before I take a break. Um, so here we go. What I think he's saying here is we do all of this in the context of hope. He's coming again. If you're visiting, you're like, what is this? By the way, if you get a chance, I don't know if you've noticed our, the trailer that our outreach team uses. Um, our BVT students with a couple of teachers who come here did awesome graphic design work on that. And they added something that we didn't ask them to put on there. And it was this. And it said, ask us about the rope of hope. So our outreach team has some work to do, right? When people are like, what is that? What kind of weirdo church are you? All right. So this is the rope of hope, right? It's, it's your life your life. But the screen tape is this life. This is where the pain and the struggle and the waves and the loneliness and the grief and the loss and I don't know what to do and how long, oh Lord, and when are you coming back and what is going on with the world and why is it getting so dark? It's all the green tape. It's here. And we get so consumed with this that we begin to lose heart. We begin to lose hope. And one of the first things we then do is we put our Bibles down. And so what I'm saying is you keep going, you remain, and the reason you do in the green tape is because this is your real life. Jesus will come, and he will come with a kingdom, and you will live, and, 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 and you will live with all of his people, and you will live in his presence, and it will never, ever end. And so you can hack a little bit of green tape. You can do it and keep remaining in the word of God, obeying the word of God, because this is your real life. He's coming again, maybe today. What a beautiful Father's Day that would be. This will be the last sermon I'll ever have to preach because we'll be with him. I'm not preaching in heaven. You know, there's better preachers up there than me. I'm going to be a janitor or something. That's what I'm doing. 
And you're like, you'd be a terrible janitor. You're right, but I'm sure in heaven I'll be better at it, okay? (laughs) So that's the context. What's the charge? Verse 2, preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Oh, patience. Uh, He's always saying that. Preach the word in season and out. That means when you're ready, like right now I've prepared this. This is the third time I've done it, right? It's in season. See me in Walmart. It's like once a year. And usually I have to get Christmas lights because we don't have enough. And that's out of season. Oh, I think I saw you online. Are you the pastor of that church? That's out of season. Be ready, right? Preach the word. That's the charge. Before God, before Christ who's coming again. Preach the word. Preach the word. That's such a, I have this from my office. This is a little uh, label. You might not be able to see it way back there. It just says preach the word. And I keep it there. I lean it up against my book so I see it every single day that I'm here. This used to be, if you go way back, we used to have this really big wooden pulpit. You guys remember that? That was when it was a godly church. No, 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 no. I had to get rid of it because I felt like a lion in a cage. Remember, I was just like, I'm over here, I'm over here. So we got rid of the pulpit, but I took this off because it was there. It was a beautiful reminder, anyone who stood there, to preach the word. I love it how many people say, Jamie, thank you so much for preaching the word. I'm like, what else am I going to preach? Apparently other people preach other things. We will preach the word. Now, here's the problem with this. It's, it's a beautiful thing, but we think of it too limited. We think of it as just like a pastor who's up here preaching. This actually means to exhort. And it's not just the job of Jamie. It's all believers in our context and our ministries to exhort God's word, to reprove, to, to uh, challenge, rebuke, exhort, encourage, right, with patience, right, with, 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 with teaching others. So, yes, it does mean opening God's word to unbelievers who maybe have questions. But it also specifically means friends and people in our community who are Christians, and they come to us for our advice, our, our kids. Now, I'm not saying every time your child says, Dad, I need help, you're like, hold on, hold on, right? But you may, that'd be awesome, but your advice should be from here, right? It should be based on here. Your advice to a believer who comes to you and says, I have problems or I'm, I'm struggling with something, it should come from here. Right, that, that this is how, this is what we use. So think about it. It's not just learning it and living it. It's giving it. That's our job. That's the, the charge of Timothy. When you're in Ephesus and people are going all over the place, you remain. You stay in the profitable, sacred writings of, of the truth. And so he says this in verse 3, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Sound familiar to anybody? You're always going to be able to find that. I don't want to be challenged. I don't want to be told I'm wrong. So I'm going to go over here and tell me I'm awesome. Meanwhile, deep down inside, you know you're not awesome. You know you're struggling. You know you're hurting. You know you need some help. But you're like, I don't want to hear it. It's like going to a doctor and saying, tell me I'm fine. Well, you have cancer. Tell me I'm fine. I'm going to go to that doctor who will tell me I'm fine. That's what will happen. That's what always happens. What's happened in Ephesus happens today. Let me tell you everything is good. Let me tell, right, itchy ears, like tickling your fancies, inciting your your passions. This is going to happen, Timothy. They'll turn away from listening to the truth and they'll wander off into myths. So I won't go into a lot of that. We We saw a lot of that last couple weeks. But the key for us not wandering into myths is, has always been this. 
right? The illustration I used a couple weeks ago, I've used many times, right, is that if you were hired by the FBI to crack down on counterfeiting money, you don't train in what the counterfeiters do. You train in the real thing. So when the counterfeiters come, you're like, that ain't it. It looks like it. It's not it. So the key for us, remain fixed, ongoing, in God's word. And so when something comes to tickle our ears, we're like, sounds good, brother. It's not it. It's not it. And he finishes the thought with verse 5. But it's a thought for us too. As for you, fill in your name, as for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Anybody, any amens for that one? <laughs> Do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry? Fulfill your ministry. That's the challenge. Fulfill your ministry. Did you know you have a ministry? If you're a believer, you have a ministry. Maybe, oh, well, yeah, I do this at church. That's a ministry, but your family's a ministry. Your kids or grandkids are a ministry. Your neighbors are a ministry. Your coworkers are a ministry. Wherever God has you is a ministry. And what he's saying is fulfill it. The only way to fulfill it is God's word. He equips you with his revelation. There's no other way. There's no corner to be cut here. So that's a personal challenge. Every one of us. And that's what I want. I don't want you to look next to you. You know somebody here who, man, they read God's word. You're just like, I'm going to, my challenge is I'm going to be just like them. It's not you. Where are you? And what is one or two steps God's challenging you to take in his word? Every one of us can be challenged. I, um, I think, like, um, like I said, we're, we're preparing where I'm going to be um, away for a few months. Some of you are happy about that. Some of you sad. Um, and it's a time to, yes, refresh, and yes, to, to, to play and all of that, but it's, it's a deep, uh, a time of, of a real deep into God's word where he can unlock areas of my heart that I am locking away from him under the excuse of busyness of ministry. It's going to be hard to leave because um, you collectively, even if this is your first week I, uh, here, I, I include you, you're like a third child of mine. Not that I treat you like a kid, but it's hard. Imagine leaving your kid for three months. That's just really hard to do, but it's a challenge for me. That's where I'm challenged, and one of the things I worry about is you're just going to, and I don't think this is going to happen, but I, I really don't want you just to be like, oh, I'm just going to wait until Jamie comes back. <laughs> Please don't do that. Challenge yourself. What am I going to do in God's word in these next few months? So when he comes back, I'm going to be like, man, this is where God grew me. This is where God challenged me. This is what God did. Right? The, 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 the first question, I won't only spend like 30 seconds on it because we, we spent most of our time, is why? Why bother? Why is it so important? Because it's sacred, holy writings breathed out by God. And if you've never read it and you're not sure you believe that, I understand. Try it. Read it. Even better, read it with someone. I remember I had an unbelieving friend who, who, who asked me to read a book with her once just because it had some religious theme in it. And I was like, okay, as long as I get to pick the next book. It was my turn. It was the Gospel of John. All right? It's a book, right? And we did that. So maybe you just grab someone and be like, hey, I don't really understand a lot of this. Will you read it with me? The Bible is that important for all of us. It gets always, always under attack. Do not waver. But the second uh, question then, if it's God's word and we believe that, what are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? What's the, the challenge for you? The personal 
challenge for you. Two things. First challenge for you, what is it? Read the Bible. Now, we're all over the map with this. So if you've never read it before, that's your challenge. Go slow. It's okay. If you're one of those, it's like once a week, kind of like how I'm trying to run right now, right? When, when you have time or think, right? Like just, this isn't shame. Just admit it and say, you know what? It's time to train. It's time to get up earlier or it's time to do in my lunch hour. I'm going to get a Bible reading plan and I'm going to try at least four times a week. If you're reading, you know, three or four, maybe a little bit more. If you're doing it every day but it's like 10 minutes, that's still awesome. Why don't you shoot for 20 or 30? Double it. What is God challenging you? Maybe you're doing all of that. He's challenging you to start memorizing. It's like hard for me to do that, right? But memorize. Maybe the the, the challenge could be um, a topic. Like you've been reading it, but you've been avoiding that topic that you're like, I don't really know if I believe that. I don't really like that topic. It's time to take a deep dive into what God's word says. I had a teenager come to me this past week. And he said, I'm, I'm struggling with the concept of hell. And I just, I need help with that. I was like, let's go. Not to hell. I didn't mean like, let's go to hell. <laughs> let's go. Like, you know, excited, right? And not even because I want him to struggle, but I just, he admitted it. And he was like, yes, okay. Let's see what God's word says about it. It's a hard subject. Who doesn't struggle with that, right? So whatever it is, maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's lust, maybe it's uh, uh, unforgiveness. You're like, no, it's just, uh, I don't want to forgive this person. Maybe that's your challenge. 100,000 different challenges, but where are you? What's one step, two steps God's challenging you in God's word in these next few months? What will you do? Now, with that, let me just remind you, for a lot of you to remind you, some of you, this is new information, that, that there's, there's tools out there to help you. They're not absolutely necessary. God's word's necessary, right? But there are so many wonderful tools that we have. This picture here is of a study Bible. How many of you have a study Bible, you would call it? A lot if you do. Okay? I have a, few, a couple. This is the one that I use. It's the ESV study Bible. Now, Crossway's not paying me any money or anything. It's just my favorite. But there's many good ones. There's um, this other one that I have up here. It's great if you have trouble applying God's word to your life. It's called the Life Application Study Bible. And what you see with a study Bible, they have maps, intro, who wrote it, what they were, the context. You see notes. It's really, really helpful to get yourself one of those. And you can get the physical copy or put it on your Kindle like me. I cheat, right? And I don't really carry around that big Bible, as you can see by my biceps. I have a light little Kindle with my Bible on it. There's also, for those of you that are techie, there's so many apps that you can get right on your phone. The, probably, the, I think the most used one is the uh, YouVersion, which gives you Bible reading plans, gives you reminders. There's all kinds of stuff, if that's you. I don't use that as much, but some of you love it, and it's great. I like Read Scripture because it has videos to go with every book of the Bible and other topics that are really well done. Um, Bible Memories is an app to help you uh, memorize Scripture if you want to do that. There's Bible Hub, Bible Gateway. There's all kinds of stuff. If you have one that's awesome, a study Bible or a tool, share it. Share it with your friends. Put it on social media. Gosh, the dumb things we share. Share that, right? Someone's like, hey, this app has been hugely uh, helpful. That, that's how like, I'll be listening to a sermon and someone's like, oh, try this app, and I'll look at it. like, wow, that is awesome. That's how you learn things, right? So don't keep it to yourself if you found something really great that helps you study God's word. There's lots of tools. How is God challenging you? How can we help you? Get someone to read it with you. But you can't do it without them. So second, and I'll just land here, is live the Bible. 
We don't just read it. We don't just learn it. We want to live it. It's training in righteousness, not to be a pompous jerk, right? It's to be righteous, to be patient, to be loving, to be kind, to be forgiving. We're not, you're not drifting down the beach that way. You're drifting the other way. Bitterness, anger, right? So it takes God's word, opening it up. So the challenge for you is what topic, maybe it's right now, or maybe it's as you're reading it, because if you're not reading it, then it's probably that second one's tough. But as you're reading it, you see something, you're like, all right, I see what God says about that, but mm, I don't want to do that. Or you just know, like you know what it is, but you're just ignoring it. Like I'm, I'm, reading, the, you know, I'm reading the Bible every day, but I'm, I'm still not going to forgive that person. I don't care. They hurt me too much. Like I've known people that are reading the Bible every day, and they're still watching pornography at night. Maybe God, that's a challenge. Let God kill that in you. Let God kill that, that thing that you know isn't righteous. Maybe that's, I'm not saying come up with 20 things. It's too much, too overwhelming. But what's that one or two things or, or just a step of not just reading it, but living it, letting it change you, get people to help you, get counseling where needed, and get people praying for you when it's especially hard. Okay, so those are the challenges. And what I want you to do as we uh, conclude is I just want you to, whether it's shut your eyes, look down, look right at me, however you want to focus, okay? And breathe. Don't just think, all right, I'm leaving here. Where am I going to celebrate Father's Day? Just breathe. What is God challenging you with? Your name. I got my challenge. What does what is it challenge you? What's the one or two steps from where you're at coming into the room today in God's word in both reading it and living it, that God says, this is what you need to do. Maybe it's read it for the first time. Maybe it's get back to reading it daily. Maybe it's putting the devotional down and actually reading God's word. Reading it longer. Joining a Bible study to help you with it. Getting a study. What is he challenging you to do? What topics might he be challenging you to live it? It's hard. You don't want. That's why we're avoiding it. They're hard things sometimes. The correction is really important. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ who are here. Whatever you're challenging them with, I pray by the Holy Spirit to give them the power, the strength, and the inspiration to meet that challenge as they leave here. Open your word to be blessed by it, to be changed by it. Lord, I pray that in the next few months, as we talk about the things you've done in your word, we see the fruit that you've done, your living, powerful, active word. I pray for those who maybe aren't sure they believe, and they're not sure that the word is the word, it's your word. And I, I pray that you would give them someone to come alongside them to read it with, do your work that you did with me, you've done it with so many of us. Stir in their hearts to salvation in Christ so that they might know you are the forgiveness of sins, Lord Jesus. You are the life. You are the truth. We might celebrate their baptism in those waters someday soon. May all of it, all of it, all of it bring glory and praise to your name, O King of Kings, O Lord of Lords, may you come soon, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.
Let's stand if you are able or sit and let's sing together.